None of the content on this or any episode of the Kratom Science Podcast, Kratom Science Journal Club, or on any page of KratomScience.com is intended, nor should it be considered medical claims or medical advice. This is the Kratom Science Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Gallagher, blog and social media writer for KratomScience.com, your source for all things Kratom questions about academic freedom at University of Florida, Kratom regulations passed Pennsylvania House but vetoed by Missouri Governor, Kratom sales regulated in Thailand and banned in a Louisiana parish. It's Kratom News for September 2022. Here we go with Kratom News for September. And I think all these articles are Kratom based. Sometimes we have a cannabis-based article, but uh, there's been a lot of Kratom news. First one, inside the academic freedom crisis that roiled Florida's flagship from the Chronicle, September 6, 2022. Last September, a professor at the University of Florida wanted to sign a scientific consensus letter about Kratom, a tropical tree with pain-relieving properties. The faculty member's proposal was forwarded to Gary Wimsett Jr., the university's assistant vice president for conflicts of interest, who had a question. What did Ron DeSantis, the state's Republican governor, think about Kratom? Kratom has been the subject of controversy as scientists and policymakers weigh its potential benefits against the possibility of addiction and abuse. Oliver Grunman, the UF professor, had concluded that Kratom, at least for the time being, should not be reviewed for global classification as a controlled substance. He sought approval to sign a letter in his role as a faculty member stating as much, but Wimsett wasn't sure it was a good idea. And this is a quote here. I do note the DEA has listed Kratom as a drug concern, Wimsett wrote to administrators describing the Federal Drug Enforcement Administration. And it would be important to know where the government and state legislators stood on this. If taking this position were adverse to UF's interests, i.e. adverse to the interests of the state of Florida, it would not be something we'd want them doing. It's like a really big investigative report. In fact, when I pasted it in the doc, it was like 37 pages. And it's not all about Kratom. It's just this one issue about since everybody at University of Florida are state employees, so there's this whole question about what they're doing, if it's in the interest or adverse to the interest of the state of Florida. And so I think the Kratom issue kicked off this whole discussion about it. And Oliver Grunman uh, was a guest on our podcast. And I, I I remember the article that they're talking about. He, he and Dr. McCurdy wrote a letter to the editor or something like that that, that said, well, you know, it, it's a good idea to keep Kratom legal. They probably signed like some kind of petition or whatever. It's not against the interests of the university because keeping Kratom legal allows them to the freedom to do all kinds of research, whereas if it was illegal, they'd have to get uh, DEA license. There's only a few to give out. Uh, that would cost the university money and time and, and all kinds of things. So advocating for Kratom legality, like in a letter to the editor, is totally not conflicting with the interests but it's like i used to be a a state employee in north carolina so there's things we couldn't do like i couldn't uh put up political posters uh, on my desk or something like that because it's because you get into you know that's you can't 
have state employees advocating for one side or the other, um, which is which is good. I mean, like like state police are limited in what they can advocate for, um, especially on like company time. But then there's this whole thing with professors, like some of them will give like expert expert testimony in court cases and like a lot of the times it's the state versus somebody who's accused of a crime mm-hmm. uh and if a professor gave an expert testimony uh that could they they're like well is that considered um going against the interests of the state so there's a it's just a, it's just a bigger question a couple of our past guests involve kratom science so that's why I, I wanted to look at that, but but the bigger the whole article is really interesting, and um, and and it's also it's kind of hints at there's just this big anti academia push. I mean, there's mm-hmm. even down to like um, elementary school and high school, like public funds for school are being cut, and like and now now we have like a teacher shortage and crisis, yeah. and and I think it's in the context of all this stuff that's going on. Yeah, it's really bad in my hometown. They actually, I guess not maybe specifically where I grew up, but in another, like, I think it's the town over. They had Mm -hmm. to close school early the first week of school because they didn't have enough staff. They didn't have people to teach the students. Yeah. That is crazy. That's crazy. Yeah, because West Virginia specifically is really bad about um i'm sure you heard about the big protests that they had well i'm not sure what, what, what was that um it was so they called it 55 strong because there are 55 counties in west virginia and all of the teachers got together and there's just a massive strike because they no one wants to work as a teacher in west virginia because there's just no money like they're not getting paid yeah at all, anything yeah at all so there was a massive strike over it and they've still not fixed the problem yeah, I, you know, when I lived in Oklahoma, that was going on. Uh, like one of our neighbors had just got her uh, teacher certificate, and um, she's like, "I'm moving to Texas because their starting salary in Texas was like twenty thousand dollars more." In Oklahoma, you go work at the Quick Trip, which is uh, the gas station down there, uh, like the Sheets here, and you could make as much as a teacher. That's just the bigger picture, but it also you, we got to watch because it's going to affect. They're going to, you know, put the the boot on uh, these professors. Yeah, like breaks, yeah. It's it's gonna it's gonna affect kratom science. The kind of crux of this article centers around this electronic system uh, for mm-hmm. conflicts of interest called Ufolio, and they started a Department of Conflicts of Interest program. And there were some examples of professors uh, like working with scientists in China, and I think they said there was a situation where they might have left uh, some databases open, and and since you know the Chinese government's kind of in everything there, it might have been you know some kind of security issue. But uh, mostly, to me, it just seems like they're trying to um, control what the professors do and what they don't do. So it's a really interesting article, and like all the links will be in the description. Oh, and um, do you want to read that last part there? Yeah, the last little, the last few. It's kind of a happy ending for for the Kratom science. Grunman, a clinical professor, had first asked an associate dean and a department chairman whether he could sign the scientific consensus letter in his capacity as a UF faculty member. The request was eventually forwarded to five administrators, including Wimsett. In an email, Wimsett said that it was important to establish where the government stood, wait, where the government and the state legislators stood on Kratom. But 
Kaplan, the government relations official, said he did not have significant concerns about faculty members with subject matter expertise on this topic signing onto this on onto this scientific consensus letter. In the end, the Kratom case concluded without incident. Wimsa did his own research, uncovering a few filed bills, but nothing with traction. Grunman signed the letter. In emails to the Chronicle, he and Christopher R. McCurdy, another UF professor who joined the letter, said they did not experience any pushback and had never been told by anyone at UF that they could not speak about their expertise. In a broader context, though, the exchanges over Kratom provide a window into how political considerations figured into administrators' conversations about what professors should or shouldn't do. The job of the Conflicts of Interest program, as outlined by Wimsett in these emails, included researching legislative bills and related to professors' expertise. In the emails, no one appears to directly challenge this approach. Okay, yeah. So, at least our Kratom scientist friends down there were allowed to uh, sign their letter and and uh, advocate for keeping Kratom legal, which, like I said, is a direct um, direct influence on what, what whether or not they can mm-hmm. carry out their research, which we all want them to do. Yes, um, of course. <laughs> yeah. All I right. Mean, there's not enough as it is. Yeah, yeah, I know. It's mm-hmm. <laughs> we need less obstacles. Mm-hmm. Okay, the next one is from. The Reading Eagle from Reading, PA. It's about uh, Kratom in Pennsylvania. So the headline is, Kratom is the latest unregulated substance concerning Pennsylvania lawmakers. And this was put out Tuesday, September 6th. I think we're kind of going to most recent to least recent. Yeah, both of these are September 6th. Yeah. So mm-hmm. two big Kratom stories. Um, mm-hmm. The Pennsylvania House in late June passed a bill that would ban the sale, of, the sale of Kratom to minors, but only after provisions about manufacturing production were stripped out and the age for legal purchase was lowered to 18 years old from 21 years old. Yeah, I wrote an article on Kratom Science about this. Uh, they had a more comprehensive bill, but the I, it was the language really in the bill and then how it was written that they stripped it down because some of the language was redundant. Like they said, Kratom can't contain any illegal substances. Well, that's already a law. You're not allowed to sell anything yeah. with legal substances in it. So it was just <laughs> kind of written poorly. So... They just stripped it down to you can't sell to anybody under 18 years old, which is better than nothing, but it's still not comprehensive enough. So I'll go back to the article. On August 19th in Lehigh County, a package bearing the words Kratom Leaf Powder was found at the scene of the death of a 29-year-old man in Salisbury Township, Coroner Dan Buglio said. And my note there is, well, that really tells us nothing. Was Did they find coffee and tea as well? Mm-hmm. There's probably fentanyl involved. That's how most of these things yeah. work. And, and and also, I'd like to know, like, if it's only Kratom, I'd love to just know what the company is so they can trace it back. And maybe they're spiking it with fentanyl. Mm-hmm. Like, further investigation into these things never really happens. And it's a shame. It really has. It really should. Yeah. Um, so the next thing before that, investigations of hundreds of accidental deaths in Lehigh this year revealed no evidence of Kratom. Buglio said it was too early to draw any conclusions about the August 19th death. 
Yeah, that that kind of confused me a little bit because especially considering it was August nineteenth, this was released September sixth. They had to have had because of the nature of this. I would imagine they had to have had an autopsy report and stuff to like you know tell you exactly what could be the issue, like or what was the actual cause of death. And yeah, like, yeah, I mean, yeah, I think I, they would have access. Yeah, I'm not sure how long they take. Sometimes they take a couple weeks to come back i don't don't know if it actually even takes that long for a toxicology report i remember when my grandmother passed we got the like all the reports and stuff back fairly quickly i don't know if maybe it's just because that that has been a few years ago and it's from a smaller town too uh, Mm. but still i can't imagine it would take almost well i was gonna say almost a month because it's been almost a month since his passing it's still uh, two weeks I, i feel like I don't know. I yeah, don't yeah. Like the toxicology, all that is is like a sending a blood test to a lab. Um, and I think, you know, they might may or may not do like a full autopsy. Yeah, that's such, I always want to look at these things because if it because like I said, if it is kratom only, if that's all they found, then I want to know what company bought it from. Like, is mm-hmm. there tons of lead in it? Uh, how much do you take? Yeah, because if it's like if that is what actually caused his death then they do need to investigate this company because then they could put a bunch of other buyers at risk as well. Yeah, we're recording this on the 14th. I'm putting it out tomorrow. So uh, so this is just like last week, and the mm-hmm. death was August 19th. So yeah, the the reporter should have had the... should have had. I mean, they're a regular newspaper. They should be FOIA and people all the time. Uh, but I'll keep... I'll go on with the story. Um, he, meaning uh, the coroner, Boglio... He said Kratom is certainly something of interest that investigators will test for, along with other substances in this case. The National Institute on Drug Abuse said it, it supports research towards better understanding the health and safety effects of Kratom use. And this is a quote from NIDA's website. Rare but serious side effects have been reported in people who use Kratom, including psychiatric, cardiovascular, gastrointestinal, and respiratory problems. Uh, NIDA's website stated, compared to deaths from other drugs, a very small number of deaths have been linked to Kratom products, and nearly all cases involve other drugs or contaminants. And I just wanted to, like, give a shout-out to the writers for actually including good information from NIDA like this. Like, you know, rare but serious. Because it's not saying, no, these Kratom never causes anything bad, but it's also saying when it does, it's very... Not, hardly ever happens. So the thing, like most of these things that we read would have just said, serious effects have been reported. Yeah, yeah. And just make it seem like it happens all the time. Yeah, so these reporters are actually doing their job. They're not mm-hmm. trying to just make a clickbaity article. Um, so good for Ford Turner and Steve Henshaw mm-hmm. from the Reading Eagle. Uh, this is Berks County District Attorney John T. Adams. Because we don't read the whole thing, so I'm cutting parts out, and then I forgot to actually put who it was. Unfortunately, it's legal here, he said. Clearly, it's a drug that shouldn't be available. At the very least, it needs not be available to kids. Just to the specific statement, at the very least, it needs not to be available to kids. That makes it sound like this 29-year-old man was a child. Yeah. Yeah, and then I also, that doesn't really make sense. Like, what exactly makes it clear? Because it was found at, at, at the deceased's home? Yeah, really. I mean, they don't even have the toxicology reports in yet. 
I mean, he mm-hmm. could have, you know, a lot of people take Kratom because they're trying to get off harder drugs. And mm-hmm. it, if it happens to be there, that doesn't mean that's what caused, caused the death. I would love to look it up further. I mean, I might even email the reporters and stuff to yeah, f- figure out yeah, to figure out exactly what happened with this guy. And I'll go on with the article. In May, Adams Berks County Drug Task Force rated 14 stores that were selling vape products and removed 1,700 cannabis-based va- vaping and edible products commonly labeled as Delta-8 from the shelves. Now, this is this is a big red mm-hmm. flag here because Delta-8 is legal under federal yep. law um, because hemp became legal from the uh, Farm Bill of 2018, uh, mm-hmm. which is the Agriculture Improvement Act. And it defines hemp. It says, that I quoted it, um, the term hemp means the plant cannabis, sativa L, any part of that plant, including the seeds thereof, and all derivatives, extracts, cannabinoids, isomers, acids, salts, the salts of isomers, whether mm-hmm. growing or not, with, with a Delta 9 THC concentration of not more than 0.3% in a dry weight basis. Now... That is the only thing that's illegal uh, nationally, that Delta 9 mm-hmm. THC. Delta 8 THC is technically legal by this law because all derivatives, mm-hmm. extracts, everything except Delta, except more than 0.3% Delta 9 THC. So I, if uh, some of these um, vape stores have enough resources they could probably fight that in court that was really strange uh so this guy's you know he's going after these products that are legal and i really didn't think i don't really don't think those are legal raids if they only had delta eight so mm-hmm. that's I, pretty strange i feel like just you know obviously it's this is completely wrong um, it, it kind of leads you to wonder what else they're doing incorrectly. Yeah, because like how, it, what other situations have they just completely, like I'll say, mishandled? I guess that works there. Yeah, mishandled. Yeah, yeah, because it's it's not up to local law enforcement to enforce anything mm-hmm. has having to do with kratom or any of these um, CBD or Delta Eight. I mean, even like CBD and stuff are in legal gray areas where. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of people sell it with medical claims and all that. Yeah. It's same with Kratom, but that's up to the FDA to enforce. It's local law enforcement can't just go in and do that unless unless all 14 of these stores were also selling THC or, you know, other drugs. So mm-hmm. that's pretty strange. All right. So up next, we have um, an article from the, the Tiger. Yep. Okay. <laughs> From The Tiger, uh, published August 28th, 2022, titled New Law Around Kratom Plant Comes Into Effect in Thailand. Um, it reads, the new law, the Kratom Act of 2022, allows people to sell kratom-based products such as foods and drinks online. In the past, people could only sell plants and leaves. This is meant to open up sales opportunities for farmers and others. He, this is a government spokesperson in Thailand. <laughs> yeah. The government's policy is to turn Kratom into an economic crop and push for its medical use to create incomes for farmers. My interview with Pascal Tanguay, mm-hmm. he's a French-Canadian like journalist, and he works in harm reduction and human rights. Uh, he's lives. He's been in Thailand for the past 20 years, so this is his issue. But he said... 
basically the policy was uh, there's two reasons. Uh, One reason was because they have majorly overcrowded prisons. And the second reason, it's financial. This is why they're legalizing. And actually, there was just a news story this week that they're looking at psychedelic mushrooms to make them legal for medicinal purposes in Thailand. So they're kind of seeing kind of the trends in the United States. And they're like, well, we need money here. We're especially COVID. They are killed and they're already kind of a, you know, a poor country. So, but that's that's the problem he's like they don't really care about human rights and this is not why they're doing it they're just doing it because of purely financially driven reasons he's he says this is pascal tangway uh it, it's purely financial it's you know they, they can see that there's a, a gold mine there's a lot of money to be made in selling kratom overseas and producing cannabis and selling it and, you know, especially with COVID, the economy here has been heavily impacted negatively by COVID. Mm-hmm. I think they're pretty desperate to make a buck pretty much anywhere that they can. And I think that's also driving. So even before, before COVID, before the economy had been heavily negatively impacted, there's a major drive to join in the market and create benefits for create financial benefits for society. Recently, I, I wrote an article about cannabis dec- cannabis legalization mm-hmm. and what was driving this. And indeed, when I, I did like a media analysis, look through, you know, several dozens of newspaper articles. And when there's a testimony from the government, when there's an article published, they're usually pub- about cannabis legalization in Thailand, it usually ends up being in the financial sections, not in the health section, not in the social section. Mm -hmm. And the quotes from the government are usually, we decriminalize because we're going to make money. So they're pretty open and direct about their motivations for decriminalization or legalization of cannabis. They're interested in making money out of this. That was Pascal Tangway from episode 66 of the Kratom Science Podcast. But the new law comes with some restrictions. It prohibits the import and export of Kratom leaves without approval from the Narcotics Control Board. It is also illegal to sell Kratom to underage people, as well as pregnant and lactating women. People also won't be allowed to sell Kratom in schools, dormitories, or public parks. It will also be illegal for advertisers to encourage people to use Kratom leaves or leaves mixed with psychotropic substances for recreational purposes yeah and it's also like in indonesia where they produce most of the kratom for the world it's it's illegal to use it recreationally for for people there even though i'm sure Mm -hmm. they do um you can use it recreationally i think in um thailand it's just illegal to advertise it for that purpose and I think this whole thing with the Narcotics Control Board um, might actually be a good thing. But, it, I mean, it's probably going to be that you got you have to have to export it. You have to have a certain amount of money. So, of course, it's going to be, you know, turn into big, big business rather than, like, you know, a small farmer being able to export to the United States. Uh, so, who knows how it's going to pan out, but... but it might be um, that they're, they're they're doing all this licensing and stuff. Um, it might actually be a good thing because um, they might have to test it and and um, stuff like that. There, because there's a lot of problems from contaminated mm-hmm. stuff. 
coming over here before it even gets in the hands of the the vendors. So it's just going to be good for Kratom here in the United States to have another country that's competing because you never know how, how the laws are going to change around around drugs and stuff. And Thailand mm-hmm. had a pretty brutal anti-drug regime. Uh, it was, uh, Pascal said it was almost like, if you heard anything about what's going on in the Philippines, where they're just, like, executing drug dealers uh, without trials and all stuff. He said it was kind of like that in Thailand for a while, uh, up until about, like, 2000 mid 2000s something like that so this is all a good thing for kratom consumers and i'll be looking forward to seeing what comes out of thailand yeah for sure and especially since since like you said um seeing this progress this type of progression in a country that just absolutely despised stuff like that could mean very good things for other areas of the world as well yeah, yeah, and especially um, the the Asian countries. There's like a there's like a pact agreement with Southeast Asian countries about uh, drugs and stuff. So if one country starts to liberalize their drug policies, uh, places like L- Malaysia and Indonesia and um, I think Vietnam and Laos are, are part of that whole. It's A S E A N. Uh, they have an agreement. For, for things with like drug policy and so when, when one country opens up they might all follow so that's that's going to be good for Kratom because you can grow mm-hmm. Kratom in any of those countries so if they see that you know it's working for Indonesia it's working for Thailand it'll, it'll be like a good cash crop for those other places as well so up next we have um, an article from the Natural Products Insider is written by Duffy Hayes, published August 24th, 2022. And it's called Setbacks Arise, an Effort to Protect Consumer Market for Kratom. And it reads, Recent headwinds have impacted the effort to protect, consum- yeah, protect consumers' continued use of Kratom, including the veto of a proposed law in Missouri regulating the botanical many addicts turn to when dealing with, with, ooh, with withdrawal. Yeah, that was a weird uh, one. Yeah. <laughs> Quote, by defining Kratom product as a food product or dietary ingredient, Missouri would violate federal law, reads the July 1st veto letter from Governor Mike Parson, a Republican. Marson also wrote he believed the law isn't needed from a label and packaging perspective because the state already regulates those areas. Yeah, so he's completely wrong because there's no federal law defining Kratom. Uh, and it's just like I said before, it's like the FDA is supposed to enforce whatever whatever they're supposed to enforce, but there's no federal law. And uh, several other states have already passed uh, Kratom consumer protection bills, so he just had bad information. <laughs> Whether or not he got it himself or some, one of his advisors got it for him. It's weird. I, I wonder, like, what lobbyists got to him. Um, mm-hmm. I think uh, the American Kratom Association is claiming that uh, the FDA called him and, and tried to... Um, you know, persuade them the other way, but I'm not sure um, (laughs) the details of that or... Next section is NDIN denial agency warning letters. Letters? Letters? (laughs) (laughs) FDA's posture toward Kratom isn't helping to secure a safe marketplace for the botanical sale critics charge. The agency in February rejected a sixth new dietary ingredient notification or NDIN for Kratom it was the sixth time FDA rejected 
one for Creighton, but AKA's head out is hopeful for a seventh one expected to be filed soon. While he cannot reveal the entity behind the filing, Haddow described it as, quote, very difficult for FDA to turn down because it has probably the most robust scientific package, including human clinical trials. Yeah, that's interesting. Anthony Roberts, uh, this is episode 78 of the Kratom Science Podcast. I interviewed him and he explained this process, the NDI, New Didate, new dietary ingredient notification process. So 1994, the Deshaies Act was passed, and that kind of defined the difference between a drug and a dietary supplement Mm -hmm. Um, because the fear was the FDA would have uh, made every single thing that's not a food a drug. So they passed this act defining supplements and foods um, uh, to separate them from actual drugs. Um, So dietary supplements basically could be sold with um, very little regulation. There's probably not enough regulation now, or there is, and the FDA doesn't have enough enforcement. That's probably the main issue with dietary supplements because a lot of this contamination and stuff that we talk about kratom happens with all kinds of dietary supplements across the board Mm because they're very poorly regulated but anyway um this so everything before 1994 that was sold as a dietary supplement could be sold and if if it's not then you have to apply for it to be a new Mm -hmm. dietary ingredient and so six times um, these some of these companies have tried to apply, and a lot of them like uh, the way Anthony uh, Roberts put it to, to me. He's like, "Well, if you spend hundreds of dollars on lawyers instead of thousands, because anybody that gets this status is gonna, I don't know if they'll be able to monopolize kratom, but they'll they'll be able to sell it on a on a major level if it becomes a new dietary ingredient. So they should be really spending a lot of money because some of these applications were like clearly not good at all um they had like big holes in them um and the fda is basically anti-creative so they've been denying these applications seems like some one of these companies has actually spent the time and money that's going to be necessary to actually um get this thing and he said if it's if the fda turns it down that we're you know that'll just be like evidence that there's some kind of political and not scientific uh, vendetta against kratom and the other issue with the new dietary ingredient um if there's evidence that it that kratom was sold as a dietary supplement before 1994 uh then it would be all this process would be unnecessary and um Mm -hmm. it it would be they would i i I think they wouldn't have i think the import alerts the fact that it's not a new dietary ingredient status um is is why the fda can can see shipments and it gives them a legal reason to do that but they just don't have the enforcement to do that uh to do it all the time if if we find if we find if somebody has like had a head shop for 1994 like a health food store and they sold kratom and they have receipts then that would prove that kratom can be considered a dietary supplement and and, mm-hmm. and that would be great but nobody's been able to find anything so far it's been kind of weird and, and we talked about before i think on this show that kratom first came to this country after vietnam because some of the uh, vietnam veterans had discovered it there uh so which seems to make sense okay and then this next section is actually pretty important too 
<clears throat> it says on June 30th, FDA and the Federal Trade Commission joined up to issue a round of warning letters sent to four Kraden producers who marketed their products with direct therapeutic claims related to chronic pain, depression, and opioid withdrawal. Kratom vendors out there that are listening, you can't you can't make medical claims and market. And if you do, the actually the AKA is even turning people into the FDA. Another another section of this was was uh, showing that. So people that sell kratom have to be careful not to. You just can't have medical claims. You can't say it treats pain. You can't say it treats depression. You can't say it's for opioid withdrawal. There's uh, information out there, even on the FDA's website, about what you, what you can and can't say. Because there's a ton of there's a ton of people selling all kinds of dietary supplements, and the language thing is the one thing that even if you're small and you don't have money to do the full GMP thing, you could control that. Okay, so this next one, I'll read this. The headline is Kratom, an herbal extract, is raising addiction fears. Ascension is the first parish to ban it. And this is from the uh, Baton Rouge Advocate in Louisiana uh, from August 19th, 2022. Ascension Parish will become the first parish in Louisiana next month to ban the sale of Kratom, but officials backed away from wider restrictions that would also have made it illegal to possess or consume the product. Waiting for clarity on what actions state or feder federal regulators might take. Uh, so it's not fully legal, but thankfully it isn't criminal to possess a couple days later they actually did vote to only ban the sale but it's still legal to possess and use kratom in that county so if you're in louisiana you don't have to worry about driving through that county and getting busted as though you had like a kilo of heroin on you or something which in alabama they treat it the same way and in a lot of those um, mississippi counties they treat it the same way as any other drug okay i'll I'll go. I'll keep reading from the story. A stricter parish law that would have barred possession, he said, would have meant people could drive into Ascension and be subject to criminal searches of their vehicles, opening them to other potential liability over a product that is legal to use everywhere else in the state. That's what I was just saying. That's kind of why it's like everybody's problem. Uh, if anybody that uses Kratom and is driving through Mississippi, you have to watch what county you're in because you get arrested. Mm -hmm. uh, so at least it's still decriminalized in this Ascension Parish. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, though, people in that parish will just have to drive. And if people don't know Parish in Louisiana is the same as county everywhere else, mm -hmm. uh, they have to drive outside to buy it, but they can bring it back with them. So... At least there's that. At least there's a couple council members that actually listen to some reason, even though it's not good to criminalize it like that at all. But uh, that'll just mean some of these uh, vape shops might have to close down. I think they even brought up, they interviewed a guy from a gas station who said, yeah, it doesn't matter, because that was just one product he was selling. But like uh, a lot of these vape shops and CBD shops and stuff, uh, might get a big chunk of their income from Kratom, and they might just have to shut down. So that's unfortunate. I was looking back through the article again to see if I could find a reasoning, like, like why they decided to put that bill, you know, on the floor. Yeah. And it's really it says here um, that some of the council members for the parish have sat through meetings were with um, of emotional pleas to either ban or keep it available, and have been sent hundreds of emails emails but that's all it says 
So I guess it's they're making it sound as if the people are complaining. This is the this is the other article I'm reading. It's from um, uh, WAFB News. Um, this is from a couple days later, but this but this it, is... it does say they were uncomfortable with a total ban. Yeah, yeah. Because some people, you know, did, didn't want to do it, and there's not enough information to really say for sure. So that's that's good. Yeah, yeah. It seems like they're listening. Um, this is mm-hmm. from the other article, and I'll put the link up. Okay, so a councilman from the parish, Michael Mason, said the original proposal included restrictions on possessions and use, but they decided to only focus on sales. And he said not a single person in Ascension Parish spoke in favor of Kratom, but I think there were, you know, maybe like other advocates from outside, and I'm sure a lot of people emailed them. Um, I think I sent an email like a month ago when they were first starting to talk about it, or like two months ago. It was a while ago. I'll always send an email to, the, to these folks and yeah. just, you know. But um, he said, uh, this councilman, quote, I noticed that people who were pro-Kratom would show up to all the meetings and say the same thing. In its purest form, it does a lot of great good, which I'm sure it does. We're not arguing that fact, but what we're saying is, we have an Ascension Parish is obviously not its purest form, which is probably true, but that's like everywhere, which is why we're trying to pass the consumer protection laws. Um, And even the consumer protection laws are like kind of first steps too. They're, they're making it. So if somebody really wanted to go in and enforce it, then, uh, you know, somebody could get fines or, or whatnot uh, for selling mm-hmm. contaminated Kratom. But there's, other than in Oregon, there's not even, like, money allocated in a lot of these laws. So there's they're just not going to be enforced, but at least it's a good first step. So he, Mason says the ordinance goes into effect August 28th. Under the new rule, anyone that's caught selling Kratom could lose their business license. Also, repeat offenders could face fine or possible jail time. And he said he supports a ban until the state or federal government decides to regulate it. We did put in that caveat that if further research becomes available and some regulation happens with Kratom that we can get the pure form and make sure that it's not tainted with formaldehyde, which are some of the things that were coming through and all this <laughs> other stuff, then we would be glad to revisit this, but this is we're going to protect our people now. Yeah, I mean, I get I get that guy's perspective and and he yeah. seems to be sincere and not want to make people criminals at least. Yeah, he's uh, reasonable. Yeah. And but however, I wish they could, you know, do kind of an enforcement thing. I it really wouldn't be that much to have have require everybody to test their kratom for contamination mm-hmm. but i mean i know a lot of these louisiana parishes don't have like an extra dollar to spend so you'd have to spend money on enforcement but you could also just spend money on have your lab results displayed that shows the kratom isn't contaminated mm-hmm. at least like they don't have to test for alkaloids that's a more expensive one but to get kratom tested for lead or contaminates i don't think is that expensive for a bit a business who's selling it that could be one thing that people can consider just to have it like kind mm-hmm. of like a health code thing where i mean you could even put it in the restaurant health code where you, you have to restaurants have to display certain things um if you're selling kratom maybe you have to display a, a lab report that shows it's clean that's recent within a couple months or something like that just stuff i think like that. like that would be a small price to pay considering they're risking losing their entire business license yeah 
So, I mean, would you rather have a business or not? <laughs> yeah, yeah. If it was me, <laughs> if I was running a Kratom company, I'd be getting stuff tested for contamination, mm -hmm. putting it on my website. I don't know. I guess anything else about the, um, anything else? Uh, yeah, I wanted to say something about, I guess, the repercussions, I guess. It's very good that they are making everything as light as possible, though, on the, quote, offenders. Yeah. Because um, they could just immediately, like, you know, throw them in jail for selling it. But they're giving them steps. And it's the key word. They're using could. So it's very likely they could just take the product from their shelves and be like, hey, you can't sell this anymore and just leave it. But worst case scenario, you know, they're going to lose their business license first uh, for the first offense. It's better than a lot of these Mississippi counties that are just like, they're just turning it, they're just making it into cocaine, heroin, or anything. And even the states where it's illegal, it's just as illegal as any of the other drugs. So I think that this council is actually sincere. They There are risks, and, and some of these, you know, contaminated uh, people selling contaminated crap, I mean, I just wish these vendors would realize that, you know, long term... It's going to be better to just get your stuff tested, mm -hmm. like invest a little bit of money, at least get it tested. I mean, if you're not going to do the whole GMP thing and uh, Kratom Vendors Association is good. If you really want a long term Kratom business, I would totally go through them. We don't I don't like to see any banning and restriction like that, but at least uh, it's not as bad as Mississippi. Yeah, yeah. for real. <laughs> I think that's all we have. I'll have all the yep. links to all the articles up. Give us constructive comments uh, based on things we actually said and not things that you assume we mean, please. Yeah. <laughs> like, actually listen to what is coming out of our mouths instead of just mixing the words around. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> please. And, I yeah, oh, I love constructive <laughs> comments. It's fine. It's good. So, please comment, like, share... Thanks to Kaylee. That was Kratom News for September 2022. The music is Risey. The song is called Memories of Thailand. The Kratom Science Podcast is produced by me, Brian Gallagher, for KratomScience.com. Take care. <laughs>